You're listening to Discography Discussion, episode 199, Orgy. Hosted by Dan Terry. Hey man, I'm just rolling, 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 rolling what? Rolling, 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 rolling. Come on. And Joseph Wren. Tell that to 2003 Dan, who decided he wanted to revisit Zayo. I mean, anything can happen, right? Presented by DiscussMetal.com. And if you think she's guilty by design, but that's better than nothing... Then you are ready for this episode of Discography Discussion. I am Joe. That is Dan. Industrial December 2020 continues. It does continue. Are you guys still awake after that Godflesh episode? Because I'm not. I have been asleep for at least the past nine days. I know it came out seven days ago. Don't ask questions. Time machines were involved. Dude, Godflesh is so heavy. Anyway, we're, we're done talking about that. Uh, orgy is not well. Orgy's not as heavy as Godflesh, but they're uh, they're what I like to call orgy heavy. They've got a very abstract heaviness to them. I'm just kidding, you guys. It's it's basically new wave with with heavy guitars. Absolutely, it has that '80s influence that followed us out of the '90s into the early 2000s. Yes, Orgy has electronic elements. They're not exactly industrial, but they have that sound. They have that electronic-driven sound that I can only compare one-to-one to Deadsy. We brought that up a long really? time ago on the Deadsy episode. It just has that sonic quality of this band listened to a lot of new wave bands from the 80s. I could definitely agree with that. I do think that Orgy is unique and that they definitely are more on the industrial side, the electronica side, than like a Deadsy, whereas you got Deadsy that's like very synth-laden, very slow and, you know, kind of doomy a little bit, like more fantasy, Dungeons and Dragons, occult magic, stuff like that. Whereas, you know, uh, I guess what I'm trying to say is that like if, if Deadsy is Skyrim, then Orgy is cyberpunk. <laughs> you know i like uh, that as far as the vibe goes um orgy is is more what i would have called whenever i was younger like futuristic music man uh when you're listening to orgy you've got visions of androids walking around a, a dark city you know you've got you've got like basically basically you're imagining the set of blade runner like let's just you know get that out of the way and i mean the original set of blade runner you know with the one it was like actual paintings and not like just a big green screen is this before or after the unicorn dreams were inserted into the film no comment <laughs> the interesting thing about orgy is they are one of the first bands that was signed to corn's elementary records uh who also signed deadsy uh <laughs> fuck yeah john i I'm, I'm assuming john davis was just a big fan of this like you know new wavy you know uh metal infused stuff so uh he, he put his money into it <laughs> and i think that's awesome I don't know a whole lot about Orgy's origins, no pun intended, but uh, I know that like there there might be like a debut record hiding out there somewhere that I couldn't find. Uh, but as far as I'm concerned, this band started with Candy Ass. Absolutely. And it's very frustrating to me that this band really only has three albums. I remember Jay Gordon being one of those names that always comes up. He was always showing up on soundtracks and guest appearances you have the Queen of the Damned soundtrack where he does one of the Lestat songs in the midst of there being no new Orgy album to support. Yeah, I mean, I'm not really sure what happened with Orgy, to be honest with you, because you know, they put out Punk Static Paranoia, and then they actually did make a comeback. They put another record out in 2015, and I mean, Talk Sick. Get it? It's like sick, like toxic, but 
It's talking. It's, it's when you're sick. <laughs> kind of like what I'm doing right now. Uh, but, like, I definitely think that, like, they were very, very, very iconic for this time. I think 1998 through 2004 was almost kind of the only time that a band like Orgy could thrive. But we'll get into all of that. Well, before Dan ties himself to me to record a sweet podcast, I'm going to take this time to say thank you to everyone for listening to the podcast. Thank you for listening and for subscribing. If you are not a subscriber, then you can find everything Discography Discussion at DiscussMetal.com. We are on Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Twitch.tv forward slash Discuss Metal Dan for all your gaming and live show streaming needs. So if you have an Amazon Echo or a Google Home, you have no excuse. Ask it to play the latest episode of the Discography Discussion podcast, and it will. We're also on Facebook and on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Be sure to like, favorite, and subscribe. It really helps us out. It lets us know you're listening. And now Dan is going to tell us all about five-star reviews. We love five-star reviews here on Discography Discussion. Leave us a review on whatever podcasting app that you're listening to us on currently. Uh, even if it doesn't let you, you know, hit hit the contact us pay button at the top of the website, you know, and, and be like, why, why can't I review discography discussion? And they're going to be like, I have no idea what you're talking about if you get a response at all. But you should still like totally do that. One of the best things that you guys can do for our podcast that you have been doing has been sharing the episodes with your friends, your family. Uh, it seemed like everybody shared that Zao episode we put out. And uh, yeah, that thing is uh, still climbing the charts. Absolutely. So keep on liking, keep on sharing, keep on subscribing, keep on emailing, keep doing all that good stuff. Over on Facebook, in reference to episode 196, Zao Revisited, Roy Gowdy, formerly of Zao, said, Guys, great episode. I really enjoyed your take on the early stuff. Thanks for all of the compliments. Also spot on regarding Eric Reader's early role. It's great to hear him included and cited for, influence he, for the influence he had. Some additional validation. We were friends with Six Feet Deep, so no doubt they were some inspiration on Eric's vocals. Well, yeah, absolutely. And then Eric Reeder, also formerly of Zayo, commented. Holy shit. Uh, I'll, yeah, I'll give this a listen. He goes, thanks. Six Feet Deep, strong arm focused. Were big influences with initial, uh, were big initial influences for me with the first initial influence being the Crucified. Uh, so that was that was really, really cool. Always love hearing from, from members of Zayo. Uh, obviously, if you listen to that episode, you know exactly why. Um, John Robinson commented, great episode, really love the take on the different albums. For me, in order, my favorites are Well-Intentioned Virus, The Fears What Keeps Us Here, and Liberate. So that's really, really cool. And John Robinson also says, also, you should have been given five minutes just to talk about Pyrrhic Victory, which is completely underrated and one of my most listened to albums. Well, I can't control that. Joe just starts a timer, and if it goes all the way down, my I, he's, he's got some leads that are attached to a part of my body that I do not want to have shocked. So I got to be done before the timer's over. Oh, and uh, Jesse Hawley of The Satire, uh, was, who was also on Discuss Metal recently, just said, I just want to say foreplay is a good thing, which, uh, again, if you listen to that episode... You'll know exactly what he's referring to. May, may have been my actual first sex metaphor on the uh, on the podcast. At least, at least the Joe left in the podcast. Let's put it that way. It's the only one that didn't get beeped in recent memory. There's also a tweet from Jetta PA. Another excellent episode. Glad to see Awake getting the love it deserves. I'm still trying to figure out why. What will you find? Isn't a live show staple for the band? Lots of great discussions about each of the albums. Definitely disagree on 15 Rima and For a Fair Desire. Both those songs slay, but I understand you 
got to be critical about perfection. So what's interesting about uh, For a Fair Desire is uh, Roy Gowdy from Zayo reached out to me uh, a few days after we recorded the episode or released the episode. And he said the reason that those songs sound different is because some of those songs on the second half of the record were actually carryovers from the original lineup. And I think that's one thing that I didn't really specifically say is that I don't think those songs are bad, but I think they do kill kind of the flow of the record. And uh, it makes total sense now that, you know, part of the record was written by one lineup of Zayo while the other was written by the other. And so it makes tons of sense. But it was really cool to get clarification from that. In regards to episode 55, Judas Priest with James Rolfe, all hail the mighty Rolfe, Mushroom Nerd CGN said, It's a shame that you guys mentioned pretty much every Priest album, but no stained class. But still, loving the show so far, it's awesome. Thank you so much. Hopefully uh, it's not just because James Rolfe is there. But, you know, everything's always better when James Rolfe is there. I listened back to that episode. We definitely didn't mention that one, and... That's definitely our bad, because that episode happened on a whim. That was an overnight. Judas Priest has a new album. They're playing live. It's the first show of the tour. And James sends us an email and says, hey, do you guys want to talk about Judas Priest? Like, right now. I just went to the show. It was great. And Dan and I both said, okay. I think that might be our fastest turnaround to date. I had that episode out in, what, six hours? Six hours or so, yeah, because we wanted to be the first... uh the first outlet to report, you know, what what Judas Priest was playing on their Firepower tour. First day to the, of the tour. I mean, come on. Get to see Andy Sneap up on stage. I've heard all the records that guy's produced, but I've never seen him play. James is doing some cool stuff lately. I wonder if we can get him back on the show. Maybe some Disgust Metal. Maybe. I don't know. I'll have to reach out. We'll see. Extraordinarily busy, man. If there's one guy on the internet that's busier than I am, it's James Rolfe. <laughs> So, Dan, tell me about Orgy. I'll tell you when you're older, son. Oh, you mean the band? <laughs> oh, we can talk about the band. Yeah, that's that's totally fine. Uh, Orgy was formed in 1994 from Los Angeles, California. Bet you thought they were British. You I, you know you thought they were British, but they're not. They're definitely not. They're, uh, they're, can, they're tagged nowadays as an American rock band, which, I mean, calling Orgy a rock band is kind of not really explaining the full picture. So I would say that they are at the very least an industrial rock band. Uh, but there's definitely some like alternative music in there, a little bit of club music, especially later on. And uh, I think they're just a straight up like alternative metal. I know a lot of people lump them into new metal, but despite the fact that they are signed to a label that is owned by a new metal band, does not by association make them a new metal band. They were in the mix with everybody. Power Man 5000, Rob Zombie, Korn, Limp Biscuit, Static, Static X. X. Everybody was in this camp together of who you're going to see when you go see the metal show. It used to be enough to just be a cool band, but there was a time, and it still happens, everybody gets a label. Orgy is a band that we definitively said, even back in the day, that's not new metal. It might be industrial, it might be new wave, doesn't matter. That's just a straight rock band with a killer fucking groove. Yeah, and it is really cool. I mean, I still think to this day that there's not another band that sounds like Orgy. Everybody likes to say Deadsy, and I'm going to disagree with Joe here a little bit. I don't think that I don't think that just because the bands occupy kind of the same space that they sound the same. Uh, I think for the most part, um, I, I kind of enjoy what Orgy's throwing down a little bit more than Deadsy, just because I'm a little bit more of a fan of 
this kind of sci-fi futuristic sound. And I just like how um, how electronic and almost fake Orgy sounds versus like Deadsy. This should just be Orgy versus Deadsy, right? Uh, but the uh, <laughs> but the comparison is there um, at least at least a little bit. Um, I just like what Orgy throws down. They, they've got a more futuristic, electronic-driven sound that has more in common with new wave and just kind of more arena anthemic rock anthems and stuff like that. I'm, I'm more, I'm a little bit more into that today in industrial December, 2020. I don't think we've ever mentioned on the show, iconic album covers. Maybe we brought it up once or twice. It's just not coming back to me that we've mentioned that, but looking at 1998's candy ass, this is a record, no matter what form it's in, when you see it at a distance, you know exactly what band it is, you know exactly how it sounds, you know exactly when it came out, and you know what songs to skip to if you want to listen to their cover of Blue Monday. I remember because like every single kid in my school, like you remember, we, we, had, we had giant binders, giant binders of CDs that we would carry around, and everybody had five records that, that were the same. Everybody had, Joe still has his binder, apparently. Um, Sitting under my computer. <laughs> very nice. I, I don't know where my binder of CDs is. Um, and I'll have something. You know what? For, for, for post-credits, tune in to the end of this episode, and I'll tell you why it's bad to leave your CDs in binders. Anyway, everybody had five CDs. They had a copy of Metallica's Black Album, Sepultura's Roots, the first two Corn records, and Candy Ass by Orgy. Everybody had those five records, at least at our school. And I can tell you that what I what I think was I what I think the reason for that was is that you had a very different sounding band. Like these guys are not angsty like Deftones or angsty like Corn or angsty like some of the, some of those other bands at the time. But they give off the same vibe, but they do it with a finesse that I think a lot of the a lot of those other bands didn't have. Whereas they were pure rage. Uh, Orgy was much more passive aggressive. <laughs> you know, um, dark subject matter. And I mean, let's be honest, man. A little sensual, a little bit, um, a little bit sexy, a little bit weird, a little bit off, off the beaten path. Absolutely. And, um, and for my thirteen or fourteen year old mind, I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> and you know, just and it was fun, just be like, yeah, you guys listen to this record. It's called Candy Ass. <laughs> it's about, it's about, you know, like a hooker. You know, it's it's really cool. Um, so like, I don't know. It just it made all of us new metal kids feel like we were into like goth industrial for for five minutes. Did we even know what goth industrial was at the time? I'm pretty sure our definition of industrial was Nine Inch Nails, Pretty Hate Machine, or Rammstein, Sinsucht. Yeah, it turns out that all the bands that I thought were industrial when I was younger are not. And then I, <laughs> and then I, and then I really became aware of that whenever we started doing Industrial December. Everybody's like, you're talking about all these bands that aren't really considered to be industrial. And I'm like, you're probably right, but I mean, I can't like go back in time and redo the episode. So <laughs> here we are. Tell that to 2003 Dan, who decided he wanted to revisit Zayo. I mean, anything can happen, right? We're, we're, we're the dreamers <laughs> of dreams or something something like that. Uh, but no, Candy Ass is a great record. And uh, I know it, it's most famous for their cover of Blue Monday. Uh, it's probably like if you've never heard an orgy song, you've heard you've heard their cover of Blue Monday. But arguably, in my opinion, not the best song on the CD. The best song on the CD for me is Stitches. Stitches fiend even gender and all the same these are very solid rock songs with an industrial static metronome driven beat it's the same thing i bring up when i talk about old nine inch nails it sounds like music being made by machines this sounds like 
music programmed onto a computer that is very harsh, very intense. The sounds and the percussion that are being used are there to push your emotions into an exaggerated state. It's supposed to make you feel uncomfortable or at least not comfortable. It's there to get you engaged in the song. When you throw a beat over that, give it a solid bass line, give it some 90s rock guitars and Jay Gordon's voice, you're going to have a good time. For however long this set list goes, you're going to have a good time. I'm going to challenge that a little bit. I don't think that these are written on a computer in the sense that a lot of industrial music is. I think these were rock songs first, and I feel like all of the electronics were thrown in, thrown in after the fact. And I could be exactly, like, completely opposite wrong on that, but that's just the way that it sounds to me. And I think that's why people criticize Orgy as being, like, not really an industrial band or being fake industrial or whatever, um, because it does sound kind of like a lot of the electronics are just effects that were added later. Um, besides just the effect that's on Jay Gordon's voice uh, at all times, um, it's 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 more part of his voice than I think even his actual voice is, <laughs> and that's cool. I mean, I, I always wanted to sing with effects on. I wanted to sound like Jay Gordon for a while, you know, just have that have that echoey reverby sound to my voice. And uh, unfortunately, all I had was a reverb guitar pedal, so it did not actually end up sounding like Jay Gordon at all. It sounded like some idiot trying to sing through a reverb pedal. I think the first thing you said is the most accurate. This is just a rock band with new wave influences who recorded a record in 1998 that cosmetically had similarities to other bands that had released albums that decade. Nine Inch Nails, Marilyn Manson, name the names if you want. It's just a solid record though. It might be one of the best records of the decade from a sales and listening perspective. It's definitely one of the records that I think of when you're going through a list of bands in your head and you're trying to pick out, well, what is the definitive album by that band? There's only one record that really comes to mind, for better or for worse, when you're talking about Orgy, and that is Candy Ass. Oh, yeah. There's no worse. It's always better. Um, I love this record. I love it a lot. Um, I don't necessarily know if I like it as much as their next, but... Um, I think it, it was a really good start for the band and really showed what they were all about. I just found myself with Candy Ass sometimes feeling like maybe it goes on for a little too long. Maybe it's um, it can be it can be a little bit much. And I feel like it could use more dynamics. I feel like some of the sci-fi imagery that their music emo like evokes in my mind could be taken even further. And thankfully, they absolutely do that. 2000 Vapor Transmission. Let me tell you one thing right now, sucker face. You're special. <laughs> so you're coming You're coming off of Candy Ass, and you're like, okay, new Orgy record. Let's be honest. You're stoked. Uh, because this is, this is kind of a rule that I found in a lot of discographies in a lot of the bands we talk about. The first album's always really cool. Maybe even classic. But the second record, that's where it's at. You know, um, th th this is where you've learned to do the thing that you do better. And so this one is more sci-fi, more electronic. Uh, and it also doesn't, you know, have to rely on a popular cover song to be released as the single to carry the record. This is this is orgy on their own laurels, so to speak. And I think that the dynamics on this album are off the chart. They go in a lot. They're actually a little bit harder on this. On this record, you could almost make the argument that they are, I don't want to say new metal, but maybe alternative metal a little bit. You've got a little bit of that. 
um, that harder rock sound that's kind of on the on the fence of whether it wants to be rock or metal. Um, Jay Gordon's vocal approach is less uh, subdued than it was on Candy Ass, so he's a little bit more dynamic. It's a little bit more aggressive. Uh, he's still Jay Gordon, so he's not going to just start screaming or shrieking or anything like that. But like, I don't know. His his chorus game is much stronger on this record. Um, and I think, honestly, probably my favorite song on the entire record is Opticon. Just that, the chorus on, like, message to Opticon, like, I, it's 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 burned into my brain forever. Like, I'm never going to not be able to think about that song when I'm thinking about Orgy. And, uh, and But, like, to follow up a song like Opticon, which I think is probably the so- strongest song on the record, um, then you follow it up with Fiction, which was the single, and that song absolutely blows your mind. But if you take those two songs together, the way they're presented on the record, it's perfect sequencing because you hear Opticon, you're like, cool, this is it. This is the orgy that I want. And then they do something different on on Fiction where it's a much more like uh, faster, kind of kind of more driving song. And but it's it, the the chorus is hyper melodic, hyper catchy. You know, you get you get the vocoder voice in there at the you know towards the end of the song. And this is the band's sound fully realized. And this is what I'm talking about about the dynamic how they could totally switch it up between two songs like that, and you're still on board. Like they they don't go so far as to throw you off, but they just are like, yeah, we're gonna do two different things here in the span of six minutes. Take candy ass and step up the keyboards. That's what you get when you listen to this album. Keyboards can always be in metal. They can't always be in rock. They have to be there for electronic music to have that sci-fi tinge that you keep talking about. I love the balance of this record. It is a better orgy overall than what you had on candy ass. And it proves to me that the band could still do what makes them sound the way they do. It's not like they spent their whole lives writing candy ass and couldn't do it again. Clearly, they stepped up the game and put more of that 80s electronic new wave tinge on it, stepped up the keyboards, made the mixes sound just as harsh. There is nothing about this album that is not good, and there is nothing that takes it down below the first album. Maybe I am not hanging out with the right people, but nobody talks about vapor transmission when they talk about orgy. They talk about candy ass, and that to me is just wrong. This is the record you wanted. Yeah, it's arguably the best record. And I th- I mean, I think overall best record, but I think like there's something that I really, really love about this record. And that's the video for Fiction, Dreams and Digital, because this was a time, I mean, this is, this is like what, 2000? So if you're a computer nerd like I am, and we all know Joe is, in 2000, there were so many interesting things going on as far as... Uh, computer animation uh the beginnings of ai and 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 stuff and just just uh, automation as we know it today all kind of started coming into play people started imagining all of the things that we do every single day now on our phones and so a song like dreams and digital was so cool like the video always seems so futuristic to me and the cgi that's in it and just the way that it the way that it looks and i don't know like i can't I can't get past it. Like when I watch this video, I still feel like it is, it's the best type of futuristic. It's the, it's the idea of what could come that, that mystery of 
like, ooh, are you know, are we ever going to be watching movies that look like this, like with digital animation that looks like this? Yes, we are, and we are right now. And now, of course, now we hate it. But back then, we thought it was going to be incredible, you know, because we didn't really know what to expect. That that super clean, synthetic sort of sort of dripping digital animation. Like they really, really cut into all of that on the video for for Dreams and Digital, and I just think that like, I don't know. At this point, with it being 2000 and it being 20 years later, um, it's 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 now what I like to call past future. <laughs> you know, <laughs> obviously, obviously, it was just Orgy's best guess of of what things were going to be like in a futuristic world, and of course, it, it's much more cyberpunk. You know, and because that's I feel like that's kind of. If cyberpunk was a genre of music, I think Orgy would be considered the torchbearers of it. I don't know what movie I saw or what soundtrack I heard. I thought this song was a cover for the longest time. It sounds like a song I heard before, and clearly that's just wrong, because wherever I heard it, it was Orgy who was singing it. You keep mentioning cyberpunk and science fiction. Most of the time, that stuff is not as bright as this record sounds to me. This record's not dark enough to be cyberpunk. It's not dark enough to be Blade Runner. I don't know, man. I think it's pretty dark. I mean, listen to the song Eva. Like, that's... Or Ava. That song is super dark. But it's dark in, like, a new wave sort of way. You know, like... You know those new wave bands that all sounded, like, super happy, super poppy? Uh, Tears for Fears comes to mind. Um... Where, where they just they sound so happy and poppy, but like the lyrics are like some of the most depressing shit ever. <laughs> you know, like I feel like Orgy decided to like make the music match the lyrics. Ava is a very, very, very cool slower song, but I think it is super dark. I think I think their presentation is still dark. It's dark, but it's not dirgy because we're in the future now and everything's synthetic and super clean. You know, and that's I don't know, man. Like I can't. This record pulls a lot of nostalgia out of me from a time period where I was playing in 64 and convincing myself to like, man, these graphics, like they look almost as good as the movies that the games are based off of and stuff. And like, now I look at it and I was like, oh, why did I ever possibly think that? But if I listen to Orgy while I'm, while I'm playing it, I'm like, yeah, I get that feeling again. So I guess it's like a midlife crisis album for me. It's time for Punk Static Paranoia 2004. Punk Static Paranoia is one of the weirdest orgy albums because this is where they were like, okay, we can do no wrong, guys. Like, we, we figured this out. We've got this style locked down. And so what they do is they try to incorporate as many different styles of music into one record as they possibly can. I mean, this record has, like, dance, you know, club-type like club type music in it. Hell you've yes, still it got, does. But you've still got heavy guitars. You've still got Jay Gordon doing what he does. Um... It's not my favorite Orgy album because as much as I appreciate it musically, I don't necessarily feel like the songs are there as far as as far as catchiness goes. There's a lot of really cool ideas that are like front and center, but none of the songs grab me like an Opticon or a uh, or Dream or a Fiction Dreams and Digital, you know, like uh, or Ava, you know, like this record lacks. You know, you know, every every good record has to have that one or two songs on it that you just listen to over and over and over again. And then over time, you start to appreciate what else is on display on the record. This record doesn't have that. So, like, when you take it as a whole, it can be very enjoyable. But there's so much different stuff going on, so many dynamic changes that um, sometimes I have trouble remembering what I heard. It definitely feels more like a pile of songs that were written on different days with different people. 
It has the genre changes that you're talking about. The album opens with the first song that was ever played on a seven-string guitar by whoever is playing it. And from there, it goes from early 2000s new metal to dance, electronica, straight rock like the previous album. It's not focused enough, and it doesn't have the one thing that makes me come back to it. I like the record. It's the next album by Orgy. I'm going to listen to it. But it's not a complete package the same way as Vapor Transmission or Candy Ass. I think it's a problem where I'll listen to like the first three songs on this record, and then I want to go back and listen to Candy Ass. That's hard, um, because Vapor Transmission was so much its own thing that I never felt the need to go back and listen to the old material. So what Punk Static Paranoia ends up being for me is like if I'm shuffling orgy songs, these songs go great in the shuffle. They sound like they should be there. But whenever you take that collection of, song, that collection of songs and put them together as their own standalone product, I don't think it really holds up the way their previous material did. And it's fine. I mean, it could be the band's magnum opus, <laughs> you know, for all I know. it's their. I mean, it's their last official full-length release. So, I mean, in that regard, I, I'm thinking that this record did not catch on the way that they thought it would. But I do wonder if that's just because it was 2004 and people were kind of starting to get out of this type of music. We were definitely on our way to metalcore and hardcore and metalcore, the other kind. New metal was still there, but it was definitely on the way out. And I think there's too much of the association to that term that most people were not listening to the band at that time. Yeah. I mean, this is one of those unfortunate situations where I feel like it's dumb that people would stop listening to what they already enjoyed, but you know how music trends work. And industrial music, unfortunately, wasn't the hot thing in 2004. What was? You know, punk, emo, some screamo stuff, you know? I think Under Oath's Chasing Safety came out that year. Um, kids aren't listening to this. Older dudes like us might still be listening to this, and we were, uh, and it was fine. It was it was good, but there was always kind of a part of me that was like, man, the old days were so good, you know? Um, and this, this band is doing the same thing, but because it's not new and it's not fresh anymore, um, you just start, it just starts blending in with all the other orgy material that you have. And it sucks to say that about a third record, and we're probably not doing it justice. Like I said, this thing's fine. This record's fine, but it's certainly it's certainly never been my go-to orgy album. Um, and I mean, basically, that was kind of kind of it for the band. Not not it for Jay Gordon. He would continue to go on to do a, a whole plethora of different things. Absolutely. Um, you know, so I mean, it obviously didn't like ruin dude's career or anything. But uh, it's interesting to see that they reformed again with new members plus Jay Gordon um, as Orgy. And in 2015, they put out a EP. That's right. I said an EP, and I'm actually going to talk about it for a minute because normally I would skip over the EPs. You may have noticed we skipped over Orgy's EPs up to this point. But I think it's worth talking about considering the last record was in 2004, and this one came out 11 years later. Um, and I got to say, with Talk Sick, there's no trying to sound like the old orgy in the sense that like jay gordon sounds the same but this is mo definitely more of a pop rock electronic album and i would hesitate to call it orgy just because it is definitely more in more of a pop vein and that actually doesn't make it bad as a matter of fact i feel like a record like this is what a candy ass and a vapor transmission were kind of leading up to to where jay was just going to be like you know what guys i love dance music 
I love poppy rock. I like new wave, so I want to hear those happy synths going on over everything. Uh, so in a way, Toxic ends up sounding more electronic than the band has actually sounded in a long time. And I, I mean, honestly, I kind of really like this, but I don't think they should have called it Orgy. It makes you wonder if the band was still a thing or if Jay Gordon just decided that this EP of songs that sounds like the mid-2010s is going to have the Orgy name on it because, well, what else am I going to call it? I don't know the answer. I don't know if Orgy had released five more albums, if this would have been eventually where they ended up, but it's not the same band in my eyes. I can see the value of it, especially if you're a fan of Jay Gordon, but I was not excited after listening to this. To me, it sounded like a mid-2010s, we're about to go dubstep, and that bothered me the most of the time I was listening to it. Well, it's definitely not dubstep. This is definitely more like club music, electronic, electronic music, like 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 club rock. Like this is this is the band that would have been playing in the background of like a 2004 like teen movie, the band that plays prom. You know, like it's it's cool. It's very 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 catchy. It has great choruses. It's a lot of fun. It's just not metal, and I hate to say it, but it's just really not orgy. <laughs> it doesn't make it bad. It just it just wasn't really like the same thing. I almost feel like it's just like, well, if we call it Orgy, we can make X amount of money on it. You know, I could be wrong about that. I mean, I've talked to Jay Gordon uh, within the last two years, and um, he sounds to me more like a dude that just does whatever he wants musically. And of course, there's no greater amount of respect I have than for people like that that are just like, yeah, I don't know. I feel like doing this this week. What do you think? You know, you can't argue with that. But I don't necessarily know if this really continues the Orgy sound enough. Uh, to constitute actually referring to it as that band. Final thoughts on Orgy. Dan? I think Orgy is a band that if you, I don't know, I don't want to say like on the fence. I mean, it's been since 1998. If you're not listening to Orgy now and liking it, then you're probably never going to. You've had enough time. But I actually really, really love Jay Gordon's voice. I love his I love his songwriting. And um, and I, I would be totally fine with another record like Toxic. Um, and maybe this just becomes what the new orgy sound is like from here on out. Who knows? I'd be fine with that. But they're not a band that you need to go to if you're looking for the most brutal thing, you know, or if you're looking for something that's got that teenage angst. But if you listen to this band back in the day and you go back and listen to them now, you're going to get those those nice, happy, warm, nostalgic feelings that you're looking for. Orgy is one of the names that always comes up when you're talking about industrial music, electronic rock, whatever this genre is. They're up there with the Nine Inch Nails. They're up there with your skinny puppies. And on the metal side for Dan Ministry, they're one of the names that always comes up. They're doing more right than they are doing wrong. So despite the lack of material, they are one of the bands you should be listening to. If you've never listened to Orgy, I don't believe you. You've heard Candy Ass. You've heard most of the songs from Candy Ass. And if you've heard nothing, you've heard Blue Monday. No matter how much you've listened to this band in the past, I don't think you've listened to them enough. So you need to be listening to Orgy. You need to be listening to Vapor Transmission. It will fill in the gaps, and it will make you love the band again if for some reason you stopped along the way. Damn, what's your album of the week? You know, it's been a long time since I had some good death grind in my life, so uh, I've been listening to Slaughter Cult by Exhumed. 
Gore metal, baby. Let there be gore. It's Industrial December. When you pulled Orgy, I spent a lot of time deciding if they were, in fact, an industrial band. They had some of that European dance appeal because they're more rock. They're more new wave than they are straight industrial. So to tip the scale entirely in that direction, my album of the week is What the Fuck is Wrong with You People by Combi Christ. Nice. I'm 99% sure we are never going to talk about that band on this show, but who knows? Not while I'm still alive. If the listener says, hey guys, do a Combi Christ episode, we might have to do it. You're going to have to kill me first. No, it's fine. Everything's fine. I don't care. I just like talking about music. Take us out, DFT. If you've ever been listening to our podcast and want us to talk about a band that we haven't talked about yet, maybe your favorite band that we don't know about, honestly, I think that it would be really cool if you reached out to us and told us how you felt about the show, what bands you want to hear us talk about, what bands you want to hear us interview, or just, you know, whatever, just to shoot the shit. Like, it's fine with me. There's a lot of different ways that you can do that. You can reach out to us on Facebook at facebook.com slash discography discussion. You can follow us on Instagram at Discuss Metal. You can follow us on Twitter at Discuss Metal. You can send us an email at show at gmail.com. If you join our Discord server, there'll be a link in the show notes for this episode that'll take you to our Discord server. If you would like to represent Discography Discussion on the street, we have a Teespring store set up with all kinds of really cool stuff with our name slapped all over it. So, uh, you know, get your cell phone cases, your comfy socks, your hoodie. We have this stuff marked down to where we're barely even making a penny off of it. Uh, The way we make our pennies is on Patreon. You can join us at patreon.com forward slash discuss metal. We have all kinds of sweet perks in there. Uh, Just exclusive stuff. We've got a lot of really cool stuff lined up uh, for next year, which will include like live hangouts, all kinds of stuff. You can also catch me on Twitch two times a week, Mondays and Thursdays at 10.30 p.m. Central Standard Time. I'll be playing a variety of video games. Uh, I stream Brutally Speaking live every Wednesday night around 8.30 p.m. Central Standard Time. And every now and again, we even record an episode of Discography Discussion or a Discuss Metal live on Twitch. So definitely make sure to hit the follow button there and you'll get notifications anytime we go live on Twitch. And honestly, I just want to thank all of you guys that have checked out the podcast and continued to make it what it is today. We're hitting year four, and this has just been an incredible journey to be taking with you guys. So I just want to thank you so much for that. And on that note, this has been episode 199 of Discography Discussion. Thank you for listening. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Subscribe to our podcast everywhere you listen to podcasts, including Google Play, Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher. Visit DiscussMetal.com for all things discography discussion. And please send questions and comments to Show at gmail.com. If you are not a patron, you can become one at Patreon.com forward slash Discuss Metal. We have some sweet perks. Hey, Joe, can I have some money? One dollar a month gets you into that exclusive album review feed. Now let me take a minute to tell you guys why you shouldn't keep your CDs in a giant CD binder. I know what you're thinking. Convenience. Maybe not in 2020 there's any convenience, but back in the day, it was all about convenience. See, I used to have one of those 500 CD like combination folders, right? And I would shove my CDs in there along with the liner notes, cover art with for every single CD, so I could flip through it and, and have, you know, a real life version of the iTunes old cover flow. I thought that this was super cool, but there's a silent killer. That silent killer 
It's called disc rot, guys. You are 70%. I just made this number up. You were 70% more likely to get disc rot on your CDs, having them in a binder and carrying them all around. And I think part of the reason is, is because your CDs are under a large amount of weight, a much larger amount of weight than they normally would be under in any other circumstance. But you've got them all crammed into this, like, I don't know, one foot by one foot box that you carry around everywhere. And what are you going to do with that when it's in the car? You're going to leave it in, in, in your front dash. You're going to, you're going to get it covered in sunlight. I mean, what's, what's going to happen here? Guys, don't carry, don't do that to your CDs. They are, they are an incredible, incredible resource for having the highest quality possible ever in a digital format. But I mean, seriously, take care of your CDs. Don't carry them around everywhere. In case you don't know what disc rod is, you can, you can hold your, it's where you hold your CD up to a light bulb and you start seeing those little pinholes everywhere. That's what happened to me when I was using a CD case. Whenever I stopped using a CD case, I didn't have that problem anymore. So please take it from me. Take care of your CDs. Do not carry them around in a little one, one by one foot box. Thank you. I might actually leave that in the end of the show.